Hello, and thank you for joining us on a very special, a very special episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing excellent, Ryan. How are you doing? I am doing excellent as well. And if you are uh, not from the United States and lived through the 90s, you will not have made no sense why I did that to my voice. But this is a very special episode of Blossom. I mean, why theory? And what we are doing is uh, this is a, a request we've gotten a number of different times uh, to talk about um, grad school and our but specifically our kind of personal grad school like experiences our trajectory through uh academia and uh which you know we don't normally do so uh we're gonna start from uh we're gonna start from a place that we don't normally start which is gonna be um kind of like a like a like a personal history in uh just how how we how we went through uh school and how we got to 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 be here and obviously there are some like being a grad student in 2021 uh, is at the center of a lot of um, labor uh, d- debates and uh, in, in academia and or I should say uh, po- political uh, inaction from uh, administra- uh, various uh, administrations like um, the UC system is thankful that in uh, in a sense that there was a pandemic because they had an unbelievable problem right before with the things that were happening at UC Santa Cruz, maybe something I'll talk about a little bit later, but um, we're going to start in, we're going to start in the nineties when there were very special episodes of Blossom. And uh, because that's, that's when, uh, so Todd and I went to, uh, we finished or no, hold on, I'll put it this way. You finished um, your PhD from the Ohio state university in 1996. And I uh, went uh, to, let's see. And then I went to, to UVM in, uh, in, in, in 2012. So that's correct. So that is, uh, uh, 16, year 16 years, 16 yep. year gap. So this would be fascinating for me because I, <laughs> I don't even know to- totally what it was like going to grad school, uh, in the nineties. And so like my, you know, my experiences after the recession in the U S so I right. think just, you know, uh, though things that are, that have come out in the conversation as they normally do, uh, that will be, uh, uh, unexpected. So I'm looking forward to it. So Todd, let's, uh, let's talk about grad school. Why did you, yeah, why'd, so, you why'd you go in the first place? Well, I'll say that, but first I want to say, so obviously people will know to shut this off if this is totally uninteresting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to say that because I might shut it off at some point. Um, <laughs> that's why but, it's a special episode. I mean, why, this is true. Right. We're releasing this alongside another episode because we don't, we, we know more. When we started this, I mean, podcast, we thought maybe that like it would uh, maybe only be uh, uh, interesting to like a handful of graduate students. So this would be more, this would be a thing that, that we would have talked about uh, in the past, but that is, um, turns out is not, strictly uh, our audience so this could this could, could be a very limited appeal very this, limited appeal. for which we yeah. apologize but we've gotten a lot of requests for this and we thought we would we would we would just do something like this and, and right. release it alongside so it, it's right. a um at, 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 so it's, at, it's a part of a double thing so yeah not, definitely yeah. so treat 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 either the second um read my desire episode as the chaser for this, or you know, or if if you if this if this is uh, uh if this is, does not resonate with with right. uh with anything relevant for you, so anyway, yeah, that's so a, hopefully that's a, that's you've nice hit delete already. Anyway, anyway, yeah, okay, yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so so I uh, I my trip to graduate school was so strange because I I didn't have any real advisor as an undergrad, so my advisor was in a different department, and I never changed into the department of my major, so he didn't really tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. 
And so I didn't know to take the GRE subject exam. So at the time, uh, I could only apply to about three schools. So I applied to Ohio That's State. That's a hateful I, exam, by the way, listeners. I it's know. It is. It's hard. Exam. I subsequently took it. It's really hard. So I, I, know, I hate that fetishization of the for Ohio State. So I applied to Ohio <laughs> State. I applied to Michigan. And I applied to Northwestern. Only three mm-hmm. schools that I could find that didn't require the subject GRE. I didn't get into two of them, mm-hmm. so I went to Ohio State. Now, <laughs> why, why I even went to graduate school? So I'm a I'm a junior, let's say. I go into this English professor's office, and I, his name was Paul Lacey, very nice guy. And I said, um, you know, I I I'd like to be a high school teacher, I think, um, but I haven't had any education classes. Should I try to arrange the rest of my schedule so I I get those? I'm almost done with my English major. He goes, looks at me, he goes, no, no, you don't you don't want to be a you don't want to be a high school teacher. He's like, listen, you should go to graduate school. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he didn't bother to tell me you should also take the subject GRE. Oh, sure. But, but he did tell me to go. So then I just I just did what he said, and I <laughs> applied to graduate school. I got this letter. I remember getting it at Earlham. From, I went to Earlham College as an undergraduate uh, just to play football, which is another stupid story. Like I picked the school just by – by, yeah, I don't want to skip over that for people. Todd used to play football and didn't like right. he was he wasn't like a wasn't it wasn't a sprightly H back. Todd was on the O line. Yeah, I was about two hundred and thirty five pounds, so I was just, a, it's crazy. I, if I you dreamed, hadn't shown that picture, your high school photo in class, I'd have never believed you. Yeah, like I, I would have never believed it. But <laughs> I, the thing is, I dreamed of being a profess. I wanted to be a professional football player, and in so much so. That in my senior year of college, when I realized that my dream was going to, because I was too light, it was not going to come to fruition, I I, I used to say to everyone, I'm going to have an assassin shoot me in the head after the last play of the last football game (laughs) because there's nothing else I want to do. So, but but thankfully, I, I opted against the assassins. Bullet. Yeah, it's good the dark web didn't exist back then. You yeah, I mean, somebody would have taken me up on that, or I would have yeah. found a way. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I and and so then I just went to college for that. I mean, I would have gone to college anyway, but I went to the college I went to. I went because of that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it wasn't anything. I mean, I was a I was a very bad player on a very bad team. Um, <laughs> so it's not like it was any. It was no great shakes. Uh, and anyway, so, so I, I just go to graduate school, but I hadn't, and I think this is something we had in common. I had no idea why one goes to graduate school. (laughs) I just knew Ohio state sent me this letter and they said, you'll have funding. So I'm like, Oh, I'll have a job. I'll be a teacher Mm -hmm. TA. And so I'm like, okay. So I go to graduate school. I, I, I go to the first day and there we're in this, in the, in the in the big classroom with oh, by the way my incoming MA class at Ohio State was sixty, that's insane. sixty fellow MA students. So they, that's they crazy. Were, it was crazy. So when I went on the job market for jobs I would apply to, they would regularly have fifteen applicants from Ohio State for the one job. So my application just got thrown in the garbage for all those. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Mm-hmm. So I I get to I get to the yeah first people just to, yeah like people probably they just thought like oh this is a diploma mill right like, yeah, right. yeah and they were probably right and what's interesting is now I say to people oh, I went to Ohio State it's kind of a shameful they're like no Ohio State's a good school I'm like yeah only after I left <laughs> you did that I remember you doing that to uh, um, when I when I, when I was at UVM I I don't know I think it was 
I don't know, Hillary was there in, in the hallway, and you're just like, I think you were talking about this, and you, and I was walking by, and you're like, Ryan, Ryan, what do you think of uh, o- Ohio State as a school? And I was like, oh, that's a great school. And you're like, dude, it's like, none. And you're like, now it is. <laughs> like, it wasn't. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah. It's really funny. And it's, you know, it's even true for undergrads now. Like, the to get in, you have to have, like, a 3.8 G. It's, like, really hot. When I was there, yeah. the undergrads, they would, like, they're picking them off off the street. Like, do you want to come <laughs> to take some classes here? So that's a real that's a real difference. So anyway, I love so, this, this slam on, on Iowa State. It's very funny. It merits any slam that it could get. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Saying. I mean, it was fine. But uh, anyway, so I so – I, 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 the, the, the professor, his name is Julian Markell. It's a great professor. I think he's still alive. He's like 95. Um, wow. And, Good and, for him. Yeah, and he, he, was a great, he was a great teacher. And, and he says, I just want to tell you, you know, the job market's really tough, but I think, I think things might ease up as you guys are finishing. And hmm. I, I turn to this person next to me. I'm like, what, job market? What, 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 what we get a job in? <laughs> and this, person, this person thought I was kidding. Oh, and they didn't God. respond, and I eventually I learned that it was to be a professor. So that was that was my trajectory to graduate school. So it was very much a, like I had no idea what I was what I was doing, and that was kind of like every decision in my life. Someone else just <laughs> felt like like my mom told me to marry Hillary. She's like she looks like she looks like a good match for you, and so I did. So every decision, I'm just kidding about that. No. Um, every decision has been just made externally for me. That, that, yeah, the radical contingency of Todd McGowan's life, quilted yeah. by others uh, throughout. Quilted by others, right. right. Ooh, that's a nice title for your memoir. Yeah, that's great. All right. yeah. that's, a, that's a book that, that my sons will want to read. No one else. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, we're having too much fun. So, yeah. um, uh, do you, um, having so, fun is not is boring to listen to. Probably it's like boring the Kubrick thing about why you didn't end Strange Love with a pie fight, right? Like, oh, no yeah, one wants to laugh at people having fun. Yes, it's and true. It's really true. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Um, so, you got into the MA program. Uh, and did you, was it at the time you had to apply to the PhD or was had it? had to apply it, separately to PhD okay. and it was dicey whether I was going to get in. So that's an okay. interesting thing. So one guy I was really close friends with, his name was Len Restuccio, okay. and he did not get in. So he, hmm. so my friend, my great friend, Paul Eisenstein and I both applied to the PhD as we were there working on the MA. Mm-hmm. You, when you're finishing the MA, you apply for the PhD and we both, I don't know how I got in because I had gotten a B you know, in graduate school, a B can be a real, yeah, a, a real death blow. And I had gotten yeah. a B from the director of graduate studies. Wow. So I thought, wow, I'm dead. But I, somebody must have spoke in my favor because I. It was basically, does a professor speak in your favor? Then you get in, right? That yeah. Was how okay. They decided who got in from the from the you know the the people that were applying internally. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, 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 yeah, I managed to get in, but I applied only to one other PhD program that was Duke and they're like, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> we will not have you down here. Uh, so. I, I was also rightly rejected from uh, Duke a, a wow, couple of times. Good. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Bad badge of honor. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll offer, I'll offer mine and then we, yeah, we, yeah, we can, I'd like we can pick up. I, we yeah, can pick we're up done. Here. That's, we've had far more than enough of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So for me, so I um, uh, so I uh, I graduated high school in uh, two thousand six, and um, 
I didn't have a, I don't know if I've ever told you this. I was voted, uh, for the, for the, uh, male identifying students. I was, I mean, our school wasn't that didn't, uh, uh, sensitive about gender. Uh, but I was voted class intellectual for the, wow for the, yeah. And I had a 2.7 GPA grad when I left. And, um, so can we just underline that, that you are now a professor at one of the (laughs) prestigious liberal arts schools in the world. And you had a 2.7 high school GPA. I like that. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it also shows that a class intellectual is a purely social symbolic designation, <laughs> not having any mooring in tangible reality. No, um, but you were a smart guy who was just a slacker, right? I mean, that's- yeah, that's accurate. I think that yeah. that's that's entirely that's that's very very true because so I because um, you were into music. I was into music. That's exactly, this is right. Yeah. I forget this. I even, I'm glad you remembered that about me because I yeah. forget this about myself all the time. I thought I was going to go to Berkeley uh, College of Music in Boston. And I, which like the, you know, they just, the point is to go to school for music. And then, right. and that, that's, that's the whole thing. And I thought I was going to do that or I was going to go to, um, what was it? Um, I think the New, New England Institute of Art. I think they had a, like a sound engineering Program. You didn't have a fantasy of being in a rock band and making it big. I thought that was unrealistic because. Oh wow! I, yeah, <laughs> I just thought that, I thought that was not ever going to happen. Uh, yeah, so okay. I thought I thought I was like no, but you know what? I like I was like I really like music. Like I I I would like to be I'd like to be behind the scenes like working. I really liked sound, uh, you know, which is why you and I record this podcast in a really idiosyncratic way that I'm not going to talk about right now. So like to, just to make it easier for both of us, but to have it have, I don't know, legible sound quality in the world right, of podcasts. Right. Um, so the, yeah. So I just, I really liked sound. I was really interested in it. Wow. Um, and, and I, that, that was what I thought I was going to do. And I didn't apply to many colleges. I, th- uh, I applied. This is uh, I applied to University of Vermont, and I got waitlisted uh, for and for undergrad. Um, and I applied to the University of Maine, and I got in, but I decided I didn't want to live in Orono, which was very far from anybody I knew. Right. Um, and then that I think kinda... it's far from anyone who actually exists. <laughs> well, I would have been close to Stephen King, which is, yeah, that's right, which is a benefit, uh, right. I think. But uh, yeah, so then. So I ended up, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to rethink this whole thing. And Massachusetts had this, I I don't know how many states have this, but they had this program where um, you, if you went, if you got, uh, if you got your uh, associates at a uh, community college, or you went to community college for two years, um, you, and you could then transfer to um, a state school, like one of the UMass schools or, or, or any of the number of state colleges in Massachusetts, um, tuition free. And I was tuition free for the last two years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was a deal. It is a good deal, except that where you get nailed is fees and not tuition on the cost of college. And so like that, I didn't realize, I didn't know that. So I thought, so it is a good deal, but it's not as good a deal as it sounds. I see. I yeah, see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, so anyway, like the, I think I did the bulk of the payment. I would have ended up taking, taking out uh, instead. I, so I didn't take out that many. Um, well, we'll get to this. I didn't take out too many loans when I was an undergrad, but I did take out a lot. In, uh, uh, but I took out a lot in grad school because 
it, you don't you don't make enough money. <laughs> uh, to, right, so that, right. That's true. You yeah. get, you can run up big debt in graduate school. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Like I, I, you know, and this is a little bit later. Like I mean, I, I was always I was always a funded graduate student. But the like what you uh, like, I think uh, this seems almost impossible. But like when at um, I think at, at UVM when I was there, it was like fifteen thousand dollars was the grad stipend. And I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, at you could blow I, that on just rent. Uh, yeah, I know it was. Cr- and also, you there's specifically for Ver- Vermont liberal paradise. Specifically, um, people who are graduate students are not allowed to uh, file for any kind of public assistance. Oh uh, wow! It's like it's spe- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because everyone said to me like, "Oh, you could apply. You know, you could you could apply for for food stamps or, or." And I was like, "Oh wow!" And I looked into it. There's like I there's like I remember like someone showing me. There's a line that's just like ineligible for graduate students. Wow. Or people. Yeah, yeah. Because wow. I I think because the you're like a you're, you're like employee. a transient population is oh, maybe the reason. Oh, why. I see. Because you're yeah. not really a Vermonter. That's a, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're just passing. You're just passing through the state. Yeah. Um, and I think is probably how they got to that sort of thing. And then when I was at URI, I think our union had negotiated. Well, by the time I left, it was in negotiations for a long time. We got. It was like eighteen six, eighteen thousand six hundred dollars. Wow. Was maybe, maybe at the end, and 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 that's like not. That's not not bad, but it's still not good. It's like well, it shows we, how bad it is because Ryan, I made ten back oh, in nineteen ninety in the from eighty nine to ninety six, and and I could live. I mean, the thing yeah. is, as a grad student, then I could live off that. Yeah, like yeah. I, I didn't have. I had a summer job, so mm-hmm. that was ten because it's so it's ten for nine months, right? Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I, I that ten was fine for me, and I and I shared an apartment with somebody always, and then I uh, I had a summer job, so that was fine. It definitely underscores the like. I mean, there are these charts all over the internet all the time about like how like cost of living and like yeah. you know increases and in, in, like rent specifically is like the great. Like I mean, that's even like that's happening right now. Is is like um you've got these uh like investment banks that are just buying houses, yeah. because then they can be, they become renters. So it's the opposite. It's like this is what this is what the uh, the banking sector has learned from the recession it is like the bank shouldn't own the house uh like because then no one's going to own the house but if you become a renter there's just you just get a new renter in if that person can't pay the rent you just evict right. like it, it's it's different it's, it's in you don't have the uh as they call it uh in, you don't have the inventory on the market as the uh, as they say in um in real estate but anyway um yeah so i uh yeah, so you had to, I just had to take out loans because it was uh, too too expensive. So anyway, so that was the, so that's why I went to so I went to um, Bristol Community College in Fall River, Massachusetts, um, which uh, was a really really great school. Um, and I did not finish there, so I'm also technically a uh, a community college dropout as well. Dropout, because, okay, <laughs> because uh, but for medical reasons, because I was driving as longtime listeners to the podcast know, like I was driving to school uh, one day. And I got in a horrific car accident that uh, left me with a traumatic brain injury. I have a plate in my skull. Uh, actually, a couple. Uh, I have one that's like five. It's like five or six inches in diameter on my left side of my head. And then I have plates in my jaw to make sure that I have a face. Uh, it's not that extreme, but I think I, at the time it, it felt that way. Um, I was in a coma for 
for five days rehab for like a month. Uh, uh, I was inpatient rehab and then outpatient rehab for like five. So this was in the middle of the spring semester, 2007. And I, uh, so my plan, as I said, was to go to, uh, go to a, a community college for, for two years and then go to tuition free, um, to, uh, to a state college. And that obviously was not going to happen. I didn't really want to drive right. that much right. <laughs> anymore. I had to drive like almost like 40 minutes to get to Bristol community college from where I lived. And I lived in this town that had a state college, Bridgewater state college. And so I ended up, I apply there and I, and I got in and, uh, it's a state university now based on a, from what I understand, based on a technicality, which is that, places that like because college is supposed to mean you can't uh, award an advanced degree i thought it was a university has has to have colleges within it that's interesting multiple Uh, colleges within you know what i'm saying yeah i do yeah sciences engineering yeah but no it has an advanced degree is what it is i thought that that's how that's what i understood i mean this could have been totally apocryphal but this was a story going around was that like yeah you know like um because like all these like uh massachusetts like places are called colleges, but like you can get PhDs there. Right. right, Places are called universities and they don't have. Yeah. It's just a signifier without really a signifier. Exactly. So it was, so when I was there, um, it was Bridgewater, Framingham, Fitchburg, Plymouth, and me. They also wanted to become part of the UMass system and whoever made the decision at UMass, they wouldn't allow it. So yeah. yeah, So they thought, well, we need to up, upgrade our profile so that anyway but that's yeah. just probably probably very boring for people i'm sorry um so i um so yeah so if you just looked it up it's a state university now um but i uh, i went there and um just interesting on the um on the funding and this is like a quick little uh disability studies note is the way that the u.s handles things is that i had to go to so, i had to go to so many i had to go to so many things that were like um you had to prove that you deserved like financial assistance like you had to prove but you did you, get it funded i did because because and this is like i like i actually like i feel pretty terrible about this like now looking back is that like i remember being in a room of people who everyone needed help but we all had got like individually uh examined and the only the, there wasn't enough state aid to go around so the people who got it were those who could work or could go to school. So you had to be, this was how it was explained to me uh, later there, is that like you had to have a disability serious enough to require state aid, but not not so serious, serious. exactly, that you couldn't become a useful member of the capitalist machine. The old productive member of society. Exactly, exactly. And um, so that's how, that's, and I, anyway. And then, and and anyway, and then the school was like, this is just a thing for, for anyone who has kind of assistance like this is like the school is never understanding about this is it take, it took so long for the money to come in that like they, I would just get hounded with phone calls about like, Hey, you haven't paid tuition. Like we're going to like, you're going to get kicked out. And I'm like, no, but it's from the state. Yeah. They don't care. They They don't care. care. They don't care. care. My, uh, my, I, I, I was always, cause I was b- m- mostly paying my own undergrad, which was possible in that day and age. It yeah. shows how old I am. Um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that I, I would never, but I never had the money at the beginning of the semester. And yeah. so they're always like, well, you can't even, you can't even <laughs> register for classes. And I'm like, yeah. come on, I'll pay. And so I would always have to talk <laughs> to them. I'm good for it. Me. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but. 
But that, yeah, they're not really sympathetic about not paying. Here at UVM, they disenroll you if you're oh, fully Jesus. paid. Yeah. So it's, yeah. a, it's extreme. It's more extreme than it was before. But what inspired you to go to grad, to grad school? school? Yeah, so yeah. two things. One was that like part of the reason why I spent time talking about the, um, the car accident, um, which is how I refer to it, the car accident. Not the, the traumatic brain injury, which, which, is, which <laughs> is what it is. But um, uh, so the... I just, so yeah, like I said, I thought I was going to go into music and I didn't take school very seriously. And then I felt like it was some divine punishment for me not taking academics very seriously because what happened to me, and it's hard to, it's hard, it's really hard to explain. I, um, I just felt bereft of intelligence and, and really unable to think in a physical way. And I've said this before on the show, I think maybe in the disability and media studies episode uh, when I said it, but like the, uh, the, um, what happened to me in this period, uh, which is very profound is that I, that I learned, uh, that the thinking is a physical activity. Like you, it, it you have to push thoughts through right. the, stack of matter in your between your ears and it it requires like it requires effort like real real work and uh i don't know how much that i I don't think that that's appreciated because like we have this split right between even like like uh even when 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 i was like uh getting trying to get accommodations at school it was I didn't have a physical disability. I had a cognitive disability. Right. And like there, there are these, you know, and they do this for medical reasons and, 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 and whatever. But like, it's like you, there it's this, it's the same thing. A physical disability is a, is a cognitive disability. A cognitive disability is a physical disability. Right. Like, like it's just, it like you have to think differently about the way that you go through the world. If you know, if, if you're in a wheelchair and, and that like affects you cognitively, if you have a cognitive disability, that's like, you know, invisible and you pass for someone who isn't, you know, marked uh, by it. Like, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's definitely a thing, but it's, it's just to try to, in a, in a, in a college environment to try to, think to just try to do to try to do anything is like is incredibly hard and also like i mean at this time i had to wear shoes all the time this is just such a little thing i'd wear shoes all the time because if i took a step any step without wearing shoes the shock of my foot hitting the floor at any Hmm. force would just would rattle my head Wow. So like wow. so much. It was so awful. so. Yeah. Graduate school was a way to prove to yourself that you could think. That was that was what it was. I, I thought I had to commit to. I had to commit to, yeah, to to to, to educating myself because I didn't want to ever. I wanted to feel as far away from how I felt in the year to, to like really. I don't. I don't think. I don't think I started to, I don't, it's like a, it's so hard. It's like a damp cloth was inside my head. Like I, I don't really, I don't, I can only go to metaphor to explain it, but it, it's, it, it, so it took a, a long, long time to be loose from the majority of that. And it's still a thing that, 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 cause you never stop having a traumatic brain injury. No, in fact, it was actually a, a fellow grad student was the, a person who said that to me because the, like the, the whole, the whole thing, I mean, especially in, in, in us, uh, 
discourse uh, as regards a uh, disability is it's all about like overcoming overcoming right you know right right and 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 right. and it's it, rather than like it's this thing that tarries with you like what i say right. to 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 people now is that like you know I am a baby that I have to take care of like all the time, every day. If I don't, if I don't like before, like when we talk, like I do this in the morning, like I have to, I got to eat a banana. I have to have one glass of water at least. Um, and I have to like, if I don't, I'm going to get a headache later that I'm going to have to lay down for. And then I can't do anything else for the rest of the day. And it's like, did I have enough protein today? Because if I didn't, there's going to, it's just like all this stuff. So, So, um, so did, um, was there a professor that pushed you to a certain graduate school or did that, that was just happenstance? Um, you know, what's really funny. Val, um, Val, Val Roy, your, uh, Val Roy, your colleague, my colleague. Yeah. She came to give a speech. Uh, she oh. gave a talk on Hemingway, wow. uh, okay. late when I was there. So I had a number of influential professors and what I really appreciated about them was that I felt like they knew something They they had what I thought I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Which was to, to know something like inside and out. And, uh, yeah, so there was, uh, so there was a, pro- the professor there, Matt Bell. Hey Matt, uh, if you ever hear this, uh, who, uh, was, um, at Tufts studied, uh, under, uh, Lee Edelman, uh, it with, and became friends with Val. Well, yeah, became friends with Val cause Val was, yeah. uh, was, was Lee's like first student. And so he, he recommended, uh, uh, UVM to me and I was, uh, doing this undergraduate, thesis project on, uh, Shakespeare and queer theory, um, which was, um, at a moment where that was like starting to be articulated, like, uh, in, in, I don't know, I don't want to say vast quantities, but there had just, when I was working on, when I was working on this, a book, uh, a collected volume that I I think is really good came out called Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And it's like individual essays on, on each of his plays. Obviously Lee writes about Hamlet because of course he's going to be the one that writes about Hamlet. Um, and, uh, so, so yeah, so that it was just in this, this milieu. So that, that was, uh, so that was part of the basis of his recommendation. So, and, uh, and I, that was how I had, cause I had, like you said, like you said, like when you were in that class, like job market, like I didn't know how people became a professor. Right. Like it didn't make, didn't make any sense to me. Me either. Either. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, it is yeah. you go to graduate school, you get a PhD, <laughs> then you become a professor because neither of us knew that. And yeah, it's interesting. So I, I, and then you came to UVM and were your first class at UVM, I think, was with me. That is correct. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. Uh, the theory, the intro um, to theory, intro, right? Intro to, yeah. I th- yeah, absolutely. And yeah. that was, uh, that was where <laughs> I became a reference in your comedy book. Well, that was later, though, wasn't it? No, that was the first class. Oh, that was in the first class. That was in the first class. You didn't tell that joke in the comedy class. You told no, 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 no. Okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. My friend Carl started laughing at a story you were telling before the punchline, and you stopped. (laughs) You stopped, and you were like, "That I didn't get the punchline yet." And he was like, "Sorry." And I said, "He premature ejaculated," and and other people in the class laughed. You didn't laugh at all. You just looked at me. You were like, "That's great." I was like, "You were like, is that yours?" Like you could use that. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> I, like, I think I thought you didn't really think it was funny because you just didn't. No, I thought it was hilarious. I stole yeah. it, of course. You stole it, of my, course. Yeah. Put it in my comedy book. Yeah, that's yeah. great. That's really funny. Um, yeah. yeah, so so it's interesting. So I think having that divided experience of an MA, because we didn't have a PhD mm-hmm. program, so there was no way you could 
you could do that there. So, so I think having that divided experience is different than going all the way through one place. I mean, I had, yeah. I, and I think, which you, is more common now, I think, uh, to divide it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think so. I think that's right. I, I, I mean, it's interesting because I, one of the things I wanted to talk about is how it's a lot of times you don't find someone that really gels with you, right? Like mm. I, so I found someone that. My professor was uh, Walter Mac Davis, who was became my dissertation director. And I ne- it's interesting. So, so as I was take, doing all my coursework, I never had a class with him, but my friend Paul Eisenstein did. He's like, you really love him. He played basketball with us, and he was kind of a he was a little prickish on the basketball court, so I sort of didn't like him. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but Paul was like, no, nah, his class is great. It's great, and he does philosophy. You would really you would really dig him. So I arranged with Mac. I'm, I'm, this is how I got to know him. I, I, one summer I read Hegel's phenomenology and Heidegger's being in time just as an independent Mm -hmm. study. And that really got us close, but it also, and I guess one of my lessons from that was you could do that with any, I mean, it doesn't have, he happened to know those texts, but I think you could arrange to do an independent study. People just don't think about it. You know, they don't yeah. think like, oh, I could just go to this professor and say, look, I really would like to read these things. Would you mind doing an independent study with me on it? And and if it's a nice person, they're probably mm-hmm. going to say yes. You know, so yeah. I think that's a thing that people don't always think about. And and also, like, I was so... Uh, the other, I know this is another thing that I think it's true for undergrads and grads. I, I was so afraid to talk to any professor. Mm-hmm. Like I just, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. go in. I was just afraid. And, and I think what's one thing that I've like, if a, if a student comes in with a serious, like theoretical problem or question or something, like I'm dying. I mean, they're not coming to complain about the grade. I'm dying to talk to them about that. <laughs> so I think that's a thing that I didn't know. And, and like even directing a, a thesis, like I'm more than happy to do that. I mean, I, there may be people that, that aren't and, but then they're just kind of shirking their job. So actually when you ask them to do something, they don't want to do it. They should feel bad, not you. So I think, I think think people don't think that way, but I think that's a really important way to try to get to think as a, I mean, not, I I hate this way of saying think as a consumer or whatever, but I do Mm -hmm. think you should think as a, like you're, you're the one, they're the ones there to help you, you know? And, right. and, and right. so you should, you have the right to ask anything of the professor, save like change my grade. I don't think you have the right to ask yeah. them that, but, uh, but so I, I mean, okay, whatever, ask you, them that if you want, but I, yeah. but, but my point <laughs> is like, I, for challenging. Yeah. yeah, yeah, if you have reasons, yeah. but, but I think the point is really like you like go in, assert, yourself and try to, and, and especially this independent study idea, I think it's really important that you get, because it's, there aren't that many theory classes, right? Like you have to, in order to read that, you have to carve out the space where you can do it. Yeah, I think, uh, so yeah, you were really good on this. Um, so to, to affirm that you put this in, in practice, like I remember, um, I, so at the, so at the end of, um, I, uh, and I, I think I've said this on the, on the podcast before that like, I don't, um, I, I think like, I sometimes get, get, get emails from listeners who I, I, I don't want anyone to have the impression. Like, I, and, I, and I think maybe we're, we're dispelling it in this podcast that like, uh, I was in high school and I knew like, yes, philosophy, I'm reading critique of pure reason. And then I went on to get, uh, 
a you know philosophy degree and then I you know then we met at UVM and then now I do this it was not this like linear like hierarchical track where I knew what you know uh, what I was doing just to put it plainly like I had read a couple I read a couple things from Freud in uh, in in undergrad and it was really in like this class with Matt Bell queer fictions where we we read um, the three essays on the theory of sexuality and I don't know, maybe a couple other things uh, from Freud. And so that was like really my only, and, and, and we read uh, uh, no future. Um, by in the, in, yeah. By little men in the class. So that was my, like, so my point of contact with, uh, with Freud was through, was through queer theory and it was through, and it was really through Edelman. And I had found, uh, this was so funny. This like, um, this this line in I don't know if it's in Looking Awry or somewhere, but uh, where where Zizek says that, that one of one of one of Shakespeare's books proves that he had to have read Lacan, or I said books plays one of yeah. Shakespeare's plays proves that he had to have read Lacan, and I remember like I didn't ev- I had never seen the letters L A C A N in that order. I didn't even know how to say that. And I did not even have any idea how to pronounce Zizek's name. And I remember going to the person directing my uh, my thesis. I was like, is this, should I talk about this? And he was like, no, he doesn't do Shakespeare. He's <laughs> like a Lacan scholar. And it was the first time I heard that. I was like, Lacan? Like, I don't wow. even know what that is. Anyway, so it was in your class. And I don't know when we didn't. We read, uh, it was really, it was really, it was Zizek. It was reading, um, the puppet and the dwarf, I think. We puppet read, and right? the dwarf. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, 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 and some of these ideas and I, and, and the thing that I was really into that I didn't have a chance to write about or, or, or think very critically about in, uh, in, in undergrad was, uh, was television and the Bridgewater state when I left just got a film minor. So I missed, like I took one film, intuitive film class there that I thought was just so great and I loved it. Um, but, uh, that wasn't a, a bit, a part of my, um, education. So it was just like really disparate and all these like pieces were all over the place. And so it was, so I, I, I wanted to, I don't know that I was conscious of, of what I was doing, but I needed to arrest a little bit of that sliding, like all these pieces all over the place. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to be here and I want to talk and I'm going to do something that I want to talk about, I want to do television. And I think I asked you if anyone, well, like who could I read who did like this is in 20 so this is in 2012 who could I read that who does uh, television and psychoanalysis and I remember you're like oh, oh no one <laughs> and, and, and I remember saying I was like oh so I shouldn't do this and you're like no whatever do it like here I'll give you some things and this isn't and it's not literally true that nobody does it it was but basically like, true is, yeah it's basically true <laughs> then and and so but that I thought was like that was really exciting to me. It was, it was because I, I think when, um, when one studies Shakespeare and I don't want to dissuade anyone from studying Shakespeare because it's beautiful, but one is, uh, weighted down by having to know so much. And it, it was a real, it was a very useful experience for me, a very useful scholarly experience of, of, of becoming conversant with a field, like knowing enough names, like, you know, obviously like who Stephen Greenblatt is and also why Stephen Greenblatt is Stephen Greenblatt. And, but even like going back, even like Northrop Fry, like some of the, and, and, um, 
AC uh, Bradley. You got to know yeah. all these people. Yeah, yeah. you got to go back and and um, yeah, and so like start. I mean, starting with like the you know, like the formalists and like the new critics and or pr- practical criticism as is called in uh, in England and 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 all that stuff. And it was so it was really really useful in terms of method in scholarly method for me to, to learn that. But it was like, um, I was just kind of, um, like stagnated by having to like, to know so much to say any one little thing. And this is a model in some places of doing grad school really, which is that like you, 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 you have to, and some of it, again, there's a point at which I I do think it's useful. You got to earn the right to say the thing. Yeah, you got to earn the right. But can I just say the locution I hate the most to, to go like this actor studio thing? What's the word? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Uh, It is, I'm joining the conversation. Like, I ah, want to say, fuck okay. the conversation. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> nice. I'm saying the thing that's going to end the conversation. It's not <laughs> part of the conversation. <laughs> like, that's what I want to hear a grad student say. I don't want to say, oh, now I'm joining the conversation. No, 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 no. I'm yeah. ending it, right? Like, I'm going to give the <laughs> definitive. Because whatever, you're probably not. But I do believe <laughs> that there is a such thing as a definitive interpretation of a work. And, like, yeah. you've said that. And then, sorry. You can say these little things around the edge, but this has been said, and so sorry. They're, you're just not going to say anything again that's going to going to challenge that. So I, I, mm-hmm. I, I just, to me, and this is why I, I really encourage. And this, I'm a I'm anonymous, uh, anomalous, but yeah. so <laughs> I don't think I should. This is not advice for someone as a graduate student, but I just think who cares what everyone else is saying? Like, yeah, make sure. But don't, I don't think you can just go off half cocked and say whatever. I think you yeah. have to. You know, if your thing is rooted in thought and and a whole like a line of thinking, then I think you can you should make your interpretation regardless of what other people are saying. And then it's a, it's a question of debt, isn't it? I th- like right, like, like, right, like right, you, right, you, right. You have to like like um, right, I, like, this, like yeah. if you're going to write on Hegel, you can't just ignore Kozhev. Sure. Yeah. Of course. Of course. But on the other hand, like you should read Hegel and have your own experience of it and then come to an idea, you know, and then, and then uh, same thing with Hamlet, I think. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's you, you, uh, um, uh, Scott Kushner, Hey Scott, uh, uh, a, someone on my committee at at URI had said to me that like, I don't carry other people's water. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's, you know, I think there are graduate professors with whom that would get you in trouble, but yeah, but who cares? Like, right? Like, just, you know, I think you have to go your own way. I think you have to, you know. You can go your own. Sorry. I, I was going to say, I was going to sing uh, Linda Ronstadt. Oh. You tra- you travel to the beat of a different drum. Like, I oh. think that's what you have to okay. do. Well, I, I, I went to the low hanging Fleetwood Mac. You did. Sorry. You did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or more popular, too. Perhaps. To yes, yes. Yeah. Perhaps Fleetwood Mac versus I guess Linda Ronstadt had that documentary, so she yeah. Yes, had a, had well, a I mean, I mean, in the well, but that's a, that's another podcast. Who, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but well, anyway, so I think that that's I think that's a really crucial thing, and and I, mm. I mean, this gets into writing a dissertation too. Like, I think yeah. you cannot just you know, someone asked me what's the difference between writing a dissertation and a book, and I said mm. the signifier attached to it. Yeah, right. Like, I think you really need to think of writing your dissertation as if you're writing your book, except if you're in a situation where you have committee members or a director Mm -hmm. that demands a certain summary of the scholarship, right? And then I think you have to do it, but it should be 
like this superficial layer that you can just extract from the document when you're going to put it out as a book. Because I really think that the, that you should not think of those documents as differently. I also think if you can't find someone to direct your dissertation because you, the school is, let's say it's a place that's hostile to theory, mm-hmm. I just think you, you shouldn't allow that to stop you. Like you mm-hmm. can, you can, I think there are enough people in fact, you can even email Ryan and, and me about this, <laughs> and we'll either do it or put you in touch with them. There yeah. are enough people that can function as a shadow director that can get you through that would be happy to do it. Yeah, because they well, teach at a place that doesn't have doesn't have PhD students, and so it's a it's a way for them to give back without you know even unofficially in a way that they would you know enjoy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like my. Uh, my, my committee at URI not was not far not hostile to 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 what I was doing. Um, even even still, like I like this is uh, so I went to the University of Rhode Island and for the probably, PhD, I don't think, yeah, yeah, for the PhD program, yeah. Um, and uh, I had uh, Joan on my my dissertation uh, committee as an outside reader to help me with the uh, the Lacanian piece because people so I. You were either people um, like uh, who would would consider like Freudian psychoanalytic theory to be a part of their specialty, but not necessarily like Lacan, and and so Joan was there uh, for that. You had to petition, I think, to get her on your committee, right? I did, yeah, because we don't. So there was no formal reciprocity between Brown and, and URI. Like it, it, there's, there's no connection. I even had, uh, uh, the DGS at the time did me a real, real favor. Um, because I, uh, I oh, maybe I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I, um, she's not there anymore. So, but uh, I signed up for an independent study with her, but instead what I did was I took a class with Joan. See, at Brown. Now, I, I want to say, I think that can be a very common practice that people can even do as an undergrad, right? Like, yeah. like if you say you want to do an independent study with somebody at another university, you can do an independent, if you can find a faculty member that likes you, you can do it with the person at your own school and then do it and then really do the work with somebody You else. really need, what you need is you need people to agree because as much as like a, a lot of, <laughs> I say this to students, I, I hate grading. I hate it so much because right. Right. do you know, cause you know why if, if, uh, and please, if any of my students are listening to this, don't do this to me. But, um, but, or someone else, if uh, elsewhere. But if if you okay, so this is just the situation. If you go to a professor and it's for like a you know a, you've written a paper like a theoretical paper and it's like a I don't know B plus or whatever, and you don't and you think it, it should have earned a, a higher grade, and you go to the professor and you say like I just wanted to talk about this grade like why why is this B plus and then. If I if it's me, I can be like, oh well, you know, um, the assignment was calling for these things. I was looking at this, and I thought, you know, this was good here, and but maybe not so much here, and 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 whatever. And then you you can say to me is okay, but why is that a B plus? I could be like, well, and we can keep we can go on and on in that dynamic forever yeah. until finally I have to go home and th- I have to admit, you know why? Because I made it up. <laughs> that's because I read it and I l- looked at it and I'm like, 
that's what a B plus is to me for this assignment. And now I have to justify it. And this person's not taking my justification because you know why? Because they know I made it up. And so I say that as an illustrative story, as much as there are hard rules at the university for different things, there are a lot of things that are just made up. So if someone is going to take you on an independent study, but you're going to go to another college or work for, like somewhere else, as long as everyone's okay with that, that's fine. Like right. it's just, it's, uh, yeah. So that's, but I think just, especially you know. with the dissertation, Ryan, I think it's yeah. really true. Especially in grad like, school too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in grad, yeah, I just think it's really, it's not, I think people think their choices are really more circumscribed than they are because you yeah. do have, as long as you have people that are willing to, front be the front person for you right like then the university it like establishment in general is very good at making you think you don't have that many options right like I it, think it's a right. pervasive feeling yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. but 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 i think that you're right that like it is more permeable than than the uh, the outward appearance is yeah. uh yeah, definitely. I think that that's, I think that's definitely true. And like, and I just want to say, cause this is coming out alongside us talking about Joan that like, uh, she was still directing dissertations from, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo which was her previous job when I, uh, when I met her and like, uh, she just like 30 of them. It was I mean, insane. An ungodly amount. Yeah. She was so, so, so involved. Like she was just so generous with her, with her time. And I, and like, she said to me, this was just like, I'll never forget this. I, when I asked her, uh, if she would be an outside reader on, uh, on my, on my, on my dissertation, uh, she said, well, yeah, she said one must help one's fellow Lacanians, right? <laughs> that's what she, that's what she said to me. I'll never forget that. And it was, yeah. uh, it was really, really nice and really, uh, uh, <laughs> made me feel like I belonged a little bit because, um, as, as may or may not come out, uh, in, or, uh, uh, depending on when you've listened to this, the, like, there should be, um, there should be like a, uh, a 30, 35th anniversary collection that, that you, you and I, we get all the, all the Lacanians together and we tell, we tell stories of, uh, uh castrating, um, uh, confrontations with Joan Kopchak as a way to celebrate. That would be great. Yeah. Read my yeah. desire. <laughs> and, and her as, and, and because she's just so, she's so, she's so generous. And, uh, and, but also, as you said in the previous episode, if you, uh, if, if you say something, you say something, you have a long question and you're like, well, what about this, this, uh, no, no, uh, I'm not inclined to think that way. <laughs> We're moving on. And, uh, yeah, anyway, the, um, but yeah, so that, I mean, yeah. again, I'm like going to save my worst Joan story. I mean, my, the story reflects badly on me, <laughs> but I'm going to save that for the next episode. But, um, so I, I, what's interesting is Ryan, you said you felt like you were, you sort of had a place for you. Yeah. Long did I, I, I knew that you were kind of one of us when, <laughs> So I, oh at the end of every class, at least the graduate small classes I teach, yeah. I, I play, and I couldn't do it this year because it was on, online, but I play mm. a game, and I, or okay. a series of games, like trivia games. And I, I, it's just my oh, own yeah. way of amusing myself. And I, I give away books to the graduate thing. I give away just ec like extra copies I have of stuff or uh, extra copies of even my own books. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I always find it fascinating who takes what. And I, I make a mental judgment. I don't get obviously they take my own. I I try not to think of that either way. But but uh -huh. I make a judgment on the other books they take, and I and I'll never forget what book you took. You took I I brought in. I only had one. I only brought in one copy of it, even though I had multiple ones. 
I brought in one copy of it, and I thought, it'll be interesting who takes it. So you took less than nothing. I did, yes. I'm so Which freaking is embarrassed right Zizek's now. I cannot believe it. thousand-page <laughs> book on Hegel. And, and, and even though you were not one of the first to win, I thought... Well, that's mm-hmm. interesting that he, he that that's that I, I, he he's 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 on the right track. So I already knew right at that moment. That's right. And it was and, and then we you know obviously we so we fell in love. And yes, yes, then that's now, true. And now, <laughs> but it is true. It's interesting that you're one of the only people I include faculty and <laughs> and students who I felt like when you came into my office, I was glad to see you, and I was sad to see you leave. Oh, so that, that's so, so. That is, I mean, there are a few well, other people who I would put in that. That's a very sweet thing to say. But I'm going to cry about that later. Yeah. That you said that the, because um, here's forever. the thing, yeah. and here's the thing that no one can. And this is why it's there's only a very few people for whom this is true. That mm-hmm. uh, we could talk about like the theoretical things, and then we could mm. talk. We could slip into a little movie discussion, television discussion, and then the third. Leg is that we we could have a sports talk. Uh, that's it. Yeah, which that's is it. very. So I have other people where I can have the two, but the like with Slavoj, I can do the first two, but then the sports talk is a very short one. Well, like what he is tells he, he does a joke about skiing? How when you get to the bottom of the hill, why don't you just stay there and read Hegel or something? Uh, so he he doesn't he doesn't know what the proper uh, he doesn't know what to do about Kemba Walker. He, he has no idea. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I know, I know. Who should he doesn't know who should be drafted next? So he acts like he doesn't care about sports. Anyway, I think that so that was a key moment. And then I think that the one thing I think revelatory about your graduate school experience is that you basically turned your MA at UVM into yeah. an MA on film study mm-hmm. just by like sitting in on doing undergrad classes, making doing extra work to have them count as grad, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. doing independent studies, different things. So I think that's a really fascinating model for how you can remold something into a different thing. Yeah, it's so yeah, I, I um that's right, because I, I, I definitely I sat in on your class. I also I had a um, you I did, did a film in the, theory class I, with me, and you did a film comedy theory. film comedy class with me. And I also had the um, I did a I did an independent uh, study um, on uh, sound and soundtrack as well. That's right. That's right. Uh, while, while I was there, and so not with you, but with with uh, with another person in the department. And so the, the yeah, I, I and I think it's just like. Um, the again, the university is like uh, it wants you. It wants you to uh, it, it wants you to narrow down your ambition uh, a little bit to like these things that it already knows. Because and this is the thing about grading: if it already knows, then it can assess you. If it if you're doing something that's a little bit new, a little bit outside, a little interdisciplinary, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll, then like they don't really know what so much to do with that. Right, so sometimes right. it ends up getting discouraged. And this happens so much to so many grads. I see this online all the time. So that like grad students think that like it's because they did something wrong. Like it's like this, this ultimate uh, uh, referendum on them. But it was like you were saying earlier, it's like, no, it's like that's telling you something about the professor, the institution, this like this sort of like way of going through things. And it can be really hard to it can be really hard to like kind of push through that. If I didn't if, if you know, I had I had your support, I had Joan's support and, uh, you know, I had, you know, supportive people on, uh, on on my committee and and like for when you go into like the like job market, like, and, and you know, you need you need people to 
you need, you need your people there to like help you, um, navigate in a, in a new way. Like we're just looking for things. We're saying we're looking for something new, but really we're looking for the thing that we've seen before that we know how to evaluate. And so you need, you know, I think every step of the way, you need to have the people in your corner that that are going to help you like find that like that that path through right, right. The, the 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 again the university apparatus the dissertation process the job market the like the job interview you know like right. all like all that right. that whole thing right right um, job yeah. I mean the job situation has grown progressively worse it was terrible when I was going out for a job and it got worse when you were there yes. and it's worse now I mean, maybe it will get better I I I kind of think it might because I feel like at some point these places are going to start hiring again. I mean, even UVM is now talking about that. So I think that that it's not, do we want to talk about the, the Ohio state university and its pledge to pledge to hire how many, it was a huge number. It was like like 50, 400 professors or something. 400 professor and yeah. professors and like so many like tenure track lines and things like yeah. that. And this, like, I don't know that this is a thing that like, you know, cause, uh, you know, President Joe Manchin is, doesn't allow things to happen. So, like, who knows if the, there's that that bill? There's a bill, <laughs> but that's it's not going to go anywhere. But it's about a like investment in uh, in higher ed and like uh, um, like the creation of like like uh, tenure track lines at, at, at state universities. Like, I don't know yeah. if you saw this, but like, so that's not going. That's a that, great idea. I mean, it's, it's great. a great idea. It, it's that that thing. I have no hope or, or expectation right, going to pass. But, don't but, you think- but the idea, but this is the thing, like when have you ever heard of like in Congress, they're talking about the creation of tenure track lines yeah, at state universities. It's great. So, th- so that's like, to me is always that like, that's this like, this, uh, this, this discursive, I mean, I would say d- dialectical, like, like shift, right. right and how, right, and, and, right. and, and, and how the, com- the conversation Just is the happening. fact so, that that can be put on the table. Yeah, He's that is the thing. Telling you something exactly. Yeah. I, so I maybe, think that's maybe right. it gets better. Yeah, yeah, uh, maybe. Excuse me. I think that's right, Ryan. And I think that um, I, I think the other thing. <laughs> this gets me in a lot of trouble with my union colleagues here, but I think the tuition is way too high at universities, and it's in part too high because faculty members make too much money. But um, <laughs> okay, I just said that. I you said it. You that. said it out loud. Yeah, I did say it out loud. Um, so. I don't know. I think that. I mean, I think that um, that we have to do whatever we can do to cut tuition because that's a yeah. huge draw. I mean, you know, it's just incredible that when I was a undergrad, you could basically work. You know, I had different financial aid, but I could basically work and pay for my undergrad, and that's now just impossible. So yeah, yeah. so I think that's that's. I find that sickening. Um, but I, I do want to say something about the job. We started talking about the job market. Like I think that. You know, when I I wrote my dissertation, so it's interesting kind of contrast. So mm-hmm. my friend Paul Eisenstein, I mentioned him, we were in graduate school together, and he wrote his dissertation on Holocaust literature, even mm. though it was in an English department, and most of the novels he was writing on were written in German, and he didn't even know German. So mm-hmm. that was a, and you know, he just said, look, this is my passion, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And he didn't mm-hmm. calculate the job effect at all. And he ended up finding something, although it was like he got a part-time thing that ended up being a full-time, and it's at a school with a very, it's a 4-4, I think, now teaching load. So mm-hmm. it's it's not an ideal situation. So, okay. So, but, and and I, I think I, I, I thought, oh, I'm being true. But I wrote my thing on um, 
authors that had been rediscovered, right? Mm. So, and that was a big thing at the time. So mm -hmm. even though I looked at it in a psychoanalytic way, so not maybe the typical way, it was still something that was popular and, you know, could... So, and then, but I should say that that didn't necessarily help me immediately get a job either. And, mm -hmm. but I, I, my, my point <laughs> in saying these two things is just to say, I think you do have to, when you're writing your dissertation, make some allowance for what's going to be, have a chance for being appealing for a, a job. Like, I think you can't, I, I usually tell people, follow your passion, who cares? But mm -hmm. this is the case where I think, like, look, mold your passion a little bit to what, but the problem is you never know exactly what's going to be popular. So I think mm -hmm. you have to have it driven by what you really want to do, but then you have to also be, like, if you told me I'm I'm really interested in film and I, I really love Alfred Hitchcock, I want to write my dissertation on Hitchcock, I would just say that's a terrible idea. <laughs> right? It's a terrible idea. Like there's no yeah. way, no matter how great your insights were, there's no way you would ever get a job mm. have writing your dissertation on Hitchcock. So that that just to me is a is an example of, you know, just it would be pure like there's a difference, I think, between following your passion and being purely self destructive. And so, I think I, I like, I, yeah, I like that's a lot. I, I can I give a sports, yeah, yeah, a sports yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. So uh, this is um, the uh, the the great uh, now retired, thankfully because uh, he was too good. Um, uh, manager of uh, of Manchester United, Sir Alex Ferguson, when he was in the transfer market, he was kind of known that he would do. He would when he would get new like new players like and rebuild the team. He'd get one player for the team and then one player for himself. Like basically, like one player to do the like the kind of like I, I don't know nitty gritty like intangible stuff that only he could really appreciate selfishly. Like he would do that, and I right. think right um, that's what I'm saying. Exactly, I think I'm that's saying. the that's the dissertation model. You do you do you do three chapters <laughs> for the market, and you do one chapter for you, and right. and and then and because there's a there's a flexibility there when you're making, you know, your, your materials later. Um, in, I mean, like this was, a, you know, I, I think, I think that that's, that, that, that strikes me as being, as being right. And, and it's both, it's pragmatic, but it's not. Right. It's a kind soul of, crushingly I, pragmatic. right. It's not soul crushing. Right. I think that's right. I think because it is true that you never know what's going to be in demand. The other thing is like, I, so I wrote my, Dissertation. I graduated ninety six, nineteen ninety six. Mm -hmm. I I had no. I sent out. So there, were, like this, set just shows how many jobs there were. I sent out one hundred and twenty job application letters. Right. Yeah. So there's an incredible amount compared to today. Mm -hmm. I had. I got like one or two requests for additional information. Zero interviews at MLA. Mm -hmm. Now that happened for three straight years. So I was for three years. I sent out all these. I never got the first interview. Mm -hmm. And then, but I had, I had no publications, right? Right. So then I get this job at teaching at Loyola Marymount Mount in California. That's just as a lecture, part-time mm -hmm. lecture. Because Hillary is at USC doing her film PhD. And a couple things happened. So I, I taught a freshman comp class and I, it was an honors class. So I mm -hmm. crazily used Hegel's <laughs> phenomenology as the textbook for the class. <laughs> and, uh, and I put that in my job letter. I just said, yeah, I, I like to try new things when I'm teaching. I taught 
one class. I taught this freshman composition with Hegel's phenomenology. It worked really well. It was, didn't really work that well, but okay. <laughs> it was fine, but I mean, no worse than the usual mm-hmm. composition class. Anyway, um, that should be edited out, but I'm going <laughs> to probably leave it in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so and so so I, I, I have that in my letter. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is so, and the, but in the meantime, also, here's the key thing. I got mm-hmm. six articles published. Ah, okay. And so I got that time, the next time, I get interviewed by seven schools at MLA, mm-hmm. and I got invited to three or four, right? So, mm-hmm. and then I, I, that's when I got a job in Texas, which I should never have taken. So Loyola Marymount offered me a visiting assistant professorship with the, with the wink, wink guarantee that it would become mm-hmm. full time. Mm. And I thought, well, it's just a wink, wink. I wanted to take the sure tenure track job in Texas. Sure. And what I should have, this is the thing I think is absolute advice. Never, ever, ever take a tenure track job in a place where you don't think I could live here my entire life. Mm. It's just mm-hmm. by the grace of God and thanks to Hillary and Slavoy <laughs> that I got out of Texas and got to Vermont. So, so that's, so I, I could have easily spent my whole life in Texas, and it was not a really a fun place for me. So, so uh, no offense. Whenever <laughs> you say no offense to people living in, okay, well, yeah, you no, mean something offensive, but um, but but okay. So, so two things: the teaching the thing that was teaching usually it doesn't really mean anything, mm-hmm. but I I have to say that I got one interview by a guy who said, look. You were really appropriate for our job at all, but I just this thing Hegel teaching it just was really we wanted to talk to you, so yeah. So yeah. I, I managed to get an interview just on that. But 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 my point is, and this is again maybe a sellout point that publications really 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 matter. And yeah. I think if you can, I mean, I think for you, you wouldn't if you had had zero publications coming never, out this of would your. Never have happened. I don't yeah. think you would have gotten a job at Pomona. No, no, it was a no you. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I worked uh, in, you know, it's funny because I, um, I haven't, I worked really, really hard to uh, p- publish uh, four things when I was in grad school. And um, I, this year I will have, this will be the first year that I've, that I'll have things coming out uh, in, un, uh, like in two, two or two or three years. And it was because I, I like, I wanted to be able to point to this like seriousness of research program, you know, like for like a young, for, I, I mean, I, I, w- I mean, I, th- I think the junior scholar or junior faculty, I mean, that's, that's the phrase for people who uh, are a, a, at the assistant professor level that I am. I mean, really that should also include uh, grad students. I mean, like at this thing, I'm going to talk about grad student labor for a second. Like we found out in our union negotiations that grad students in the English department at URI taught something like over 55% of the credit hours for the major. And it was, and it's like, you, you know, you can't, of course you can because every university does this basically, but like you, 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 the, the time, I don't know when or how, or how much this push is going to go, but like grad students, you are a student when it's convenient for the university and you're uh, basically faculty when it's also convenient for them. Right. That's true. And, 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 and that, that is, that's, that's, and it's on that axis where the exploitation lies. Um, but, and, and so it's, it's, it's very hard, um, to carve, 
time and especially because you're not making that much money but like it's it's very hard to carve out time to like turn things that you've written into publishable documents and like the the advice sometimes faculty i've been at different places where people have uh recommended or like like one thing over another over the other but like when you are a graduate student, your final papers, like in, in the grad school classes, you need to think about those as the, the first draft of a publishable article, like every, every single one, I think. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that's bad advice, Ryan. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, and that has to be the way that you, that has to be the way that you approach it. And some, like I've, I've been in, in places like MLA or whatever, where people are like, well, don't rush to publish too soon when you're in graduate school. Cause you don't know, you don't want to say something that you're going to later regret. And you know what? Absolutely. I think that's a thing. True. Um, but like you, who cares? Who cares? Really? I don't like, care about that. Like, yeah. look, I, I, I bought up all the copies of my first book. You're a good example of them. Yes, um, yes. You could always do that, right? Yeah. And, and, and plus, it'll probably be online in some stupid journal no one will ever look at. And if you don't put it on your academia page, no one will ever see it. So I, I, don't, I don't think that's an issue. The only thing I would say, and I, I think, I mean, my Mac Davis, who was my dissertation director, just was absolutely against what you just said. Yeah, and his point yeah. was, you need to read a hell of a lot more. Yeah before yeah. you're ever ready to write anything. And I think in an ideal world, I totally agree with that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But sorry, we, that's not the world we live in. Like you want, if you want to get in a position where you can actually, you know, affect something, change people's mm-hmm. minds, teach people, you gotta, you gotta sell out to, in both senses, like sell out your time, like really mm-hmm. work hard and sell out to, to publish, right? Like, I think, I just think that, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. And I think that that is something people don't think enough about, right? Like, they just think, oh, whatever, I can, you know, but I think you really have to devote yourself to it. And there are, and I, and I say this too, like, so the, the, obviously the connotation for the phrase sellout is very, very negative. It's bad, yeah. It's bad, but you don't, I, I, I don't think, there are a lot of avenues for peer review publication that, like, you can, you can write something like I think Mac is right. Like I, that's what that's the, that is kind of what I think about um, my the the publications that I have from from grad school. Is I feel like mm, you know what if I knew a little bit more, I don't think I would have said that or I would have said this I differently know. or I, if I had another chance, I could have rewritten. But then also it's like that this that, like, but then you publish nothing if because you because you, you will always know more. Well, that and, I think that's a great point, Ryan. Like like I, I know, and this is another thing I want to say about graduate school. I want to say two things. But first is. I think you're absolutely right that you have to put things out there before they're ready to be put out. Yeah. That's yeah. just that's true of everything I've written. I think it's true for everything anybody ever wrote. And the second thing is every perfectionist I knew in graduate school never finished their dissertation. Yeah. Like I cannot tell you Paul and I used to laugh because we 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 screwed around more than most people. We we would play we in the summer we'd play golf three times a week. I mean, we just did a lot of <laughs> screwing around. So we but we also finished in like the normal amount of time. And we, we, we used to always laugh. There was this graduate lounge where mm. at the time you were allowed to smoke and people would be in there. <laughs> they'd smoke and they'd be like, I have so much work to do. And they'd smoke a little bit more. I have so much work to do. I'm never going to get. And we were like, look, if you just spent the time that you were using complaining about how much work you had to do and wrote your dissertation, you'd be finished. But we went, we went to, I mean, I'd say less than half the people we went to graduate school finish their dissertation because 
They just didn't get down to it. So I think that that's another thing you really have to do. Like, I, I, get I, it I also, done before yeah. it's ready. I think that's true. So um, uh, someone someone on Kara's committee said something to her that I, I like this line a lot, is that, like, um, you're, well, first of all, the best dissertation is the one that's done. That's one, that that's, that's the best yeah. one. But also, it's the first, this was what her, uh, I don't know if it was her advisor or someone on her committee said, but it's the first draft of the first draft of your first book is maybe the way to think about it. And, and, and that, that was very helpful for her. But I think you should think of your book that way too. Right? <laughs> like yeah. even your book is going to come out before, like, like if, if Hegel right now, if he was alive and looked at the phenomenology of spirit, he'd go, Oh my God, I didn't explain the transitions well enough. I didn't, mm-hmm. you know, and that's like <laughs> the greatest yeah. book of philosophy next to the logic ever written. So, so, you know, I mean, I just, I don't know about that. I just think... It's, like, the being born, it. uh, it's the being born too soon. And I think right. it's the same thing right, in, in right, work right, right, in writing. Right, like, you're, you're, right. you're, it's, it's, always, it's always too soon. The things, I, I do think you're right. They just need to come out. I also think about time management, because, I mean, this is a big thing that, uh, that I learned in, in grad school, I think everyone does, is that, like, what I found out is that however much, it actually didn't matter how much free time I had versus how much work time I had, I did the same amount of work. So if I, so if I had time, so if I had time to golf three times a week or I couldn't see anybody because I was too busy, I worked the same amount. I know. know. And, and, and yeah, it's a fascinating thing. It even, I I would even go so far as to say there are times when having less free time allows you more time to work, you know, like, well, because it structures it, it structures things, right? Like I, I, I I just remember this from an undergrad when I, during the football season, we had practice every afternoon. Mm -hmm. I always had more time. It felt like to do my schoolwork. So it's, Mm -hmm. it was very strange, but I think it's because of, you're right. It forces you into kind of a structured way of thinking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, it's a, it's it's an interesting kind of it is its own uh, grad grad school is its own logic. It does. It does. And it does. And, and, it re- and it requires a certain kind. It requires. I think the the university and the, the academic apparatus uh, insists on a certain fidelity be paid to it for one to be good at it. But I think I guess um, well I, I think what we're trying to say is that like that that maybe needs to be uh, winked at. Um, more, more than like that's right. P- that's paid right. to, and I th- and I do think, and like again, this is just it's one of those things where um, you know, whenever you get like advice, when you get advice, like like I I have a ten year track job, and I'm just incredibly fortunate about that, and so like my advice needs to be taken with like things worked out for me, so like the so then suddenly it's just something like I've been asked uh, to do. Uh, things at, at like URI um, and like like to have like like job market events and, and 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 things and like to help grad students and like every time that I that I've like I've done it like I, I just think like you know this this worked out for me so but that like I can't I, you know like you don't have a magic recipe I don't have a magic recipe it's like it's the thing my 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 favorite example is that like I I don't want to come off as saying that the water pick can clean your teeth better when really all I'm showing you is that it cleans corn better. Like, like the, like, I don't want to say that this is going to work out for you when all I'm really saying is it worked out for me. But like what, what did work out um, for me is, as I say sometimes about this podcast is that like you, you two in your materials and your cover letter and in, and in the way that you think about your, your work and, and, 
you want to, you don't want to be everything. You don't want to be something for everyone. You want right. To be that's right. That's right. You, you want to be everything for someone. I think it's a great yeah. point that you have to offend somebody. Yeah, <laughs> like you have to be willing to offend somebody in your project and in your can, letter. Can I tell and everything? Can I tell? Can I tell? I'm, I'm not going to say the school that this or the people involved here, but there was um, when I applied after my the I had, did that or while I was doing the MA and I applied to, to PhD programs, I got a personal letter of rejection from from a very good PhD program. I'm not going to name name the one. And normally you don't get personal. Normally letter. never. Right. Normally never. Yeah. But the person who was the DGS felt compelled to reach out to me um, to say that they were in my corner and a lot of other people were. But and I'll never forget this. My uh, my writing sample divided the admissions committee. Yeah, that was what that was what I was told by this person. And, uh, and that was ultimately what led to my rejection. <laughs> and for a long time, for a long time, I, I was like, oh, wow, I really screwed myself. And then, and I told the story to someone, uh, to someone else. And they said, you know, and it's kind of like what you just said, uh, th- th- she just had this other take. She was like, no, she said, I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you, 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 you get the right lesson from that. Like, it means you must have really said something. Right. And, and right. that's not, that's not anything to be like apologetic about. And, um, that anyway, that, that writing sample grew up to be, uh, this thing that I published on uh, surveillance and the, and the, and the gaze of the state and, and love. Right. And right. Sort of like right. Turned out to that. I mean, yeah. look, I think it, it the, the, and that sort of tells the thing that I think is most interesting is that you can, and this happened to both of us, you can overcome the stain of the graduate's program that you came from <laughs> by writing. Like, no one ever, like, introduces me or talks to me and says, oh, Todd McGowan from Ohio State. Like, no one ever says that, right? Yeah. No one ever says that. I've never had anyone. I mean, I don't introduce myself by that way. But, but you know, so I, I and no one says to Ryan Ingley from University of Rhode Island, right? Like, I think that that signifier can just be. Evaporated. I remember, yeah, I remember being at MLA, and it wasn't so. You know what the the the, the stain, if if you like, of 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 URI, it was that let no one knew that we had a grad program in English. Right there, you go. There you go. <laughs> that there you go. was that was what happened. I was right. on this panel with this person, and she liked my paper. She was like, "Wow, you're at Brown." I was like, "No." <laughs> so, so where University of Rhode Island? I was like, "I didn't know they had a." It must be yeah. good because that was a good pay- and anyway so that was yeah. the so yeah. like yeah so so not 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 like a uh so it's, it doesn't it needn't even be like a uh no reputation is is as is as is as bad it's as, as, bad as, as, a, bad as a bad reputation, reputation. right right yeah right, but right. but i do think that that there there's um it's it, it can it compels i i hope this doesn't come off as like it's not it, I hope this doesn't come off as bootstrappy because it's it's it, like I don't know what we're trying no, to say. No, no, it's just no. that like the 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 apparatus the apparatus says this is how you go through things and it's and it, it, it there all the signification is so determinative. Like these are the outcomes. This is where you can go. This is the and I think that there's more freedom in uh, under the, the system than than the system wants you to believe there is. That's right. And, that's right. and, and, and of course, you know, obviously there are, 
you can see them on you can see them online. There are all kinds of horror stories from grab programs where, where people did try to do maybe tried to do something like what we did and they got bombed out. They got bombed of a yeah, program yeah. from that, yeah. and I, and I, and that that absolutely that happens. But it's like um, the you 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 I don't know like uh, one. <laughs> I I think it's it's a good example of the. The, at least the the, the psychoanalytic um, the the seminar seven notion of, uh, of 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 ethics is that like there is a there is a certain level of game playing that you have to engage with but like you cannot completely give ground relative to to your desire. I think that's um, absolutely true. Absolutely because, true. Yeah, because that that's that and because that's uh, that, that that that's the death knell no matter what. I would yeah. say. Yeah. You know, I I want to just end with a cup from my part. I with a couple of like <laughs> my, the funniest moments that happened to me. In graduate <laughs> okay. School. All right. So I was um I was working with this professor. He's now dead. His name is Tom Woodson, mm-hmm. and he was publishing the centenary edition of the works of Nathaniel Hawthorne. Okay. And we were editing. Nathaniel Hawthorne's campaign biography of the president Franklin Pierce, fourteenth president of the United States. They were, they were, uh, co- they were. Uh, they went to Bowdoin College together, mm-hmm. so that's how they knew each other. And it was the most boring, as you can imagine, it's a campaign <laughs> biography. It's the most boring thing imaginable. But to edit it, you know, you we would read through it, including the punctuation marks, mm-hmm. just to make sure it that what we had in the computer corresponded to the text itself. So I, mm-hmm. I think I. I had the 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 computer version or the printed out version, and he had the the actual text, and so he's reading it aloud. And he goes, "And Pierce went to the campaign stop, comma." And he's okay, reading through. And then all of a sudden, I'm looking at the paper. All of a sudden, he stops. I'm like, "What the what happened?" And it was so boring. I've never seen this happen ever before. <laughs> that he fell asleep <laughs> while talking. And I, I, you would think that like talking is such an active thing that you couldn't, you couldn't do it. You couldn't like, I mean, try sometime. Like you're talking, and you go to sleep. It's it's impossible. You would think, but no, Tom Woodson, God rest his soul, he did it, and 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 he fell asleep for ten minutes. So I'm just sitting there, you know. I got a kind of book out. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, that's fine. I'm still getting paid for my work study. Oh he God. can he can have his little nap, but he like then he kind of rustles himself up to, out yes. of his little nap, and he goes, oh oh, and I go, I think you were, and I told him where he was, so, and he just acted like it didn't happen. So that was that was to me one of the great moments. Of graduate, oh. otherwise it was like a horrific task editing those, <laughs> those, oh, that, those, man, those Hawthorne manuscripts. But, and so then the, this the other one was almost the opposite. So the second thing was, and this I, this involves a person that is still alive and that I'm very fond All of. Right. So my I've already mentioned him, Walter Davis, Mac Davis, my director, and, hey, hey. and so Mac Paul and I. Mm-hmm used to go out all the time. So we used to go, we'd go to dinner, then we'd go to the movies. And one time we went to see the Robert Altman film, Shortcuts. Oh, yeah. And, awesome. Carver, which is a, baby. Incredible film. So we were the only three people, this just shows the cultural level of Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> we, we were the only three people in the theater. Mm-hmm. And we, so, so we're just sitting there, we're watching. So it's about an hour into Shortcuts, three-hour mm-hmm. film. And we knew it was three hours. And all of a sudden, Mac gets up, and he walks to the back of the theater. And Paul and I 
first Paul and I looked at our watch. We're like, oh my God, there's only two hours left. We were just so enthralled. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we were in love with it. <laughs> I've never had that reaction in a film, a three-hour film before. And then we're like, where the hell did Matt go? And so we, we, we turn around and he's in the very back of the, all the seats of the theater. Mm-hmm. And he was a... I don't know if he yet had become, but he was working on his black belt in karate. <laughs> and so he was performing these things called katas, where he like goes like, oh, 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 and he was making these, this noise. <laughs> and so, so we're like, this is incredible. Like we're watching this incredible film, and we got this guy in the back of the theater doing these karate moves. <laughs> So it was so that to me. Wait, was, was he like, like bored or something? Essence. Like why? Like no, 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 no. He just couldn't. He just can't. St- he he's he like is antsy. Oh, he wasn't bored right, at all. Right, he right, loved right. the film, and in fact, this is one of for him one of the great memories of all of our time oh, together. That's awesome. Was the three of us going to this movie, which he he just loved. Mm. And but he just he just he he can't he he just you know he's he's older he just couldn't sit for that long That's and so and he he got up and and did karate and he would he he did them all the time so we'd golf with him all the time mm-hmm. and he would you know he he would hit a golf shot and then he would the guys we we played with some extra person mm-hmm. you know to make a foursome mm-hmm. and and they'd see him doing these karate they're like what is this guy doing <laughs> but uh, it was the the one that was most was most memorable was that you know the other thing that he did wait hold I on think, hold on here's the joke is, wait you be more like more like short chop sorry. Not shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, that would. Be, it would have been better if we were seeing Enter the Dragon. Oh, there you go. Been, yeah, <laughs> would have been perfect. So, but but I, I wanted to say one. Like this is an incredible thing that he did as a professor. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I was yet at Ohio State, but I wasn't his student yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, Salman Rushdie's Satanic Verses came out, mm-hmm. and the Ayatollah Khomeini put out a fatwa right. on Rushdie. And you know what Mac did right after the fatwa? He changed his syllabus for his class mm-hmm. and put satanic verses on the nice. syllabus. And he just was like, look, this is our ethical obligation. Um, and nice. and the local news came and covered huh. it. And all of, not all, many of the other professors were irate with mm. him for putting, they thought, he's put us in danger. Yeah, yeah. And his, his response was, if everybody taught it, then we wouldn't all be in danger. Yeah. You know, like nice. if everybody around the country, he just said, he goes, I just assumed everybody was going to do that mm. because it was the proper the, gesture. I always thought that was one of his most heroic, heroic moments. Although he did also, so he he wrote a book on, on the bombing of Hiroshima and, mm. and pretty convincingly shows how it was a purely voluntary decision like it didn't save lives right. it yep. didn't it was just we just it was he calls it the first act of world war three mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. he so that the pilot of the plane also lived in columbus oh the pilot of the enola gay his name is paul tibbetts and he wrote a ghost wrote a book mm-hmm. and or i guess he's someone ghost wrote it right, for right, him right. sorry no, <laughs> uh, uh and and mac went to the book signing mm-hmm. And he made a little poster that said Hiroshima was mass murder. Mm-hmm. And he stood right behind Tibbetts. And these people would go through the signing <laughs> and they spit on him oh my God. and they were or cursed him. And But I just, I, that to me was also another, he's, he's very, he's not afraid to, to speak his mind, which I, I always appreciated. But that, that, that short, that shortcuts memory to me is just one of the great <laughs> grad school and incredibly humorous incidents. <laughs> 
my my uh, my final my final thing is just that like I know we, we talked about a lot of the a lot of the negatives of uh, the contemporary grad school situation and there are a lot especially post pandemic and job market and it is like it is dicey and the the labor is exploitative and everything and I I so we talked a lot about that but like if um the the grad uh, cohort is like a kind of uh, it is a kind of magic and like you're and and I and I think that. Um, I don't know. At some point, this will happen, but I think that there's a great TV show to be made about um, grad students who are also TAs. That's a because, great idea. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, because you're just in this. It's it's a really interesting space where you early in the day you are the authority in the classroom, and then later you're the learner, and you're really because you're taking classes, but you're yeah. like not. And and it's just the two things undermine each other because like the, the learning that you do undermines the idea that you're an authority, but you have to have some like self belief to be able to lead a classroom at all. But then that, you know, you, you can't believe, you know, everything because then you're not going to learn anything in the classrooms later. And so it's just like, it's the space between being an amateur and being a professional that is, uh, and when you share that with other people, this, like this, like strange, almost like, I don't know, unnameable kind of, uh, kind of emotion and, and intellectual like headspace. And like, you're all like, like growing together at the same time. It's like really, really wonderful. Um, I think it's great. I, I think yeah, you can also yeah. kind of make theoretical allies for yourself. Yeah. You know, like you can say, let's read this. Let's, and, and <laughs> you know, and maybe they'll fall for it like you have. So, I think, <laughs> you know, like, I, I mean, I had a group of the best thing about my graduate program. We had a, uh, I'm not responsible for the name. So the name was called the post-left Hegelians, which I despise because <laughs> I didn't want to be post-left. I wanted to be like, I, I voted for like new left Hegelians or something. Sure. But um, they liked post. Everyone liked post at the time. Um, so, but but those like seven people really were responsible for a lot of my education in graduate school. And yeah. Paul and I basically just carved, I mean, the other people were into it too. But we really carved out that 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 group, and and it was really great. So I, yeah. I think I, I think you're so right about that that that, that interstitial space between being a, a teacher and being a student is mm. is really a good it's a good position to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the best time. I have to say, other than like, I mean, part of the time I was with Hillary, but. It was the best time of my life, really. I feel the same way. I was going to yeah. say the same thing. If I could relive yeah. two years, the negative is I didn't know Kara that is, is the one, but I would, like, if I, if I could do that. Yeah, it's a, it yeah, was yeah, a real, yeah. Yeah. grad school is a real best of times, worst of times kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> yeah. for me, it's even hardly worst of times because I just, it, it, I mean, where else do you get, you're getting paid basically to read. I mean, it's, yeah. it's incredible, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. So even if the pay sucks, and whatever you're exploited, I just always felt like God. It's just how what could be better? Like I remember when I was at the point of reading for my exams, I was thinking like, Wow, all I'm doing all day, I teach one class twice a week, and then I just get to read books. I mean, how, what could be better? So. It's good. It's it's um, yeah. The uh, and that I mean, it should honestly, it should be that way, which is why the pay needs to be in line. Like it should right, be the right, way. Of course. It should yeah, be in. That, that's ju- that's just the point. Yeah. Is that 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 experience that you had where where it was the your pay was in line with cost of living. Right. That's just that's that's, that's gone. just that yeah that's gone. But and, and it just there's it's just a decision not 
to do things that way. And like, anyway, but that's another, and, uh, and the way that, uh, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, like, I, I think that we've had these conversations privately, but, but, um, uh, English programs, a lot like humanities programs, like, like in, in, like sometimes in general, like court their own destruction by like advertising, yeah. not the most, uh, attractive or interesting part of them. Like, like, so all of that is like, it's like wrapped up in the, in the same thing. It's like, Oh, well, how can you pay them more if when you got dwindling majors and, and it's like, like the one thing doesn't have to be a problem for the other thing to continue to be a problem. Right. Like, right, like the, right. the, so like anyway, but that's a, that's a whole other podcast. We've gone, we do you realize we've gone like 90 minutes? I know way too long. Sorry. Way too long. Hopefully no one's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, I don't even have a lesson because there's nothing good about, there's never, we watch the future comedy that Ryan is going to write on uh, graduate student cohorts. All right. Yeah. Yeah. When that'll be my, uh, my, 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 my project on leave. I will, I'll, I'll write, I'll I'll write a spec script. We'll see if somebody will, will pick it up. Thanks so much. All right. Over and out, Ryan. (laughs) Over and out.